0: Hey Brett, how's it going? Good, Ange, how are you? Good. So, your trivia question, do you know what episode we're recording right now?
1: Uh, 49.
0: No, 46.
1: 46, sorry, not even close.
0: (laughs) But, um, it's a good reminder that people still have several weeks to get their submissions in for our contest to win $50. Exactly
1: four. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe
1: three, right? They need to get it in before 50, obviously. Right. We
0: will be announcing it on the 50th. $50 for our 50th episode. Okay. So we've had quite a few submissions rolling in, but keep them coming. It's been really fun to read what people are saying about us when they share it with their friends. Cool. So um, for a reminder, the way to enter is to tell a friend about our podcast in any way, shape, or form. You can share the podcast um, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, anything like that, and then just screenshot it and send it to Angie at com, or you can leave a review on iTunes and enter that way.
1: All right, yeah, free 50 bucks. That works for me.
0: Yep. All right, so do you know what we're talking about this week?
1: Uh, no, you, you left me hanging last week so um, by yourself, so now I'm back in action. So what are we going to cover today?
0: We are going to do a two-parter. And we're gonna talk about savings.
1: We always talk about savings. I know,
0: <laughs> and so it's like, how can we possibly have more to say, right? Um, but we're gonna actually kind of differentiate between short-term, medium-term, and long-term savings.
1: Okay, so yeah, I, I like to consider that like three different buckets of where you store your money, um, right? And I treat that as like like a bank account, basically, or, or emergency fund, and then like a mutual fund, and then like investments for retirement. Is that where we? On the same page
0: yep yep cool all right so yeah you know we've been talking a lot about you should save x percentage of your paycheck each month um and we say you know about 20 percent should go towards savings ideally but i think it gets a little bit hard because it's like well what do i do with that 20 percent? do i put it all in a savings account or do i put it all in my 401k and i think the important thing is that it shouldn't be all or nothing right you want to make sure that you're setting up the right savings plan for you.
1: Right. Because having, you know, putting a lot of money into your retirement early on is extremely beneficial, as we've said before. But also building up your emergency fund is also really, you know, really important. So how do we balance those things out? How do you divide, divide and conquer and prioritize those those different buckets?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think the number one important thing for is is to focus on well very short-term needs right so if you don't even have like a hundred dollars in your savings account i would probably get that built up first just to have somewhat of a buffer right right
1: that's immediate protection right it's like your it's your captain america's shield against like anything that people throw at you right that that that'll save you immediately and you won't have to like dip into things that would cause you more harm down the road like having to borrow against your 401k
0: right right so yeah step one is to get you know a little bit of savings um but you know, I recommend most people very quickly move into the realm of at least do your company match for your 401k. If you have a company match, um, and for most companies that is somewhere between three to six percent. And if you don't do three to six percent in your 401k and your company has a match, you're literally throwing money away.
1: Yeah, that's it's free up for grabs cash that they that they put into the retirement for you. Right. So you might as well just consider it as like an additional paycheck every year. Right. Right. It it just is distributed all throughout the year into that account.
0: And the beauty, you know, when I graduated from college, I got set up in my first job and I just started paying my 401k out of my very first paycheck. So I never saw a paycheck that had more on it, which was really nice because then that's just what I got. And that's what I had to budget within. So it's like I never knew of anything different, you know. like now i'm sure yeah you know if i turn my 401k match off and i got that extra money it would be tempting to spend it but when you don't see it you can't spend it and your future self will thank you right
1: and a lot of people that started working you know that are still in the workforce today i mean the 401k didn't come into existence until like 1987 or something like that Right. Is that not even close? Uh, It was
0: earlier than that. But yeah, yeah. Right.
1: right. But some people like, right, they don't they didn't set it up correctly in the first place, may have never touched it or they were getting their full paycheck in the beginning. Right. Yeah. You and I both are are of the advantage that we had the money taken out of our paycheck immediately when we started working. So we've never known anything different, which has been a huge advantage.
0: And, you know, something I recommend for people who maybe, you know, haven't started contributing anything to retirement yet um, do 1%, you know, like lo- most of these systems you can log on, you know, right through work, right through your paycheck and just up it to 1% and let that kind of, let yourself get used to getting paid 1% less. Right. And then, you know, after you get used to that, put it up 1% more, or, you know, if you know, you have like a, a 3% bonus coming, put it to 3% before that starts. And then you just don't get a raise that year.
1: Yep, and so. and before you know it, yeah, you won't even notice the change if you, you kind of stair step it like that, uh, right? If you do like go from zero to fifteen percent, yeah, you are going to notice like a if you look at your pay stub, it's going to be a lot smaller, but yeah, but that's good because all of that money is going directly into your your you know largest bucket for your four hundred one k long term money.
0: So now, what if people don't have a four hundred one k? Should we talk about that a little bit?
1: yeah so other what are other vehicles that you can put your your long-term money into
0: an ira is a great option okay um and you know we've done several retirement savings episodes so i would kind of recommend jumping over and listening to that if you want a little bit more information about the difference between roth and traditional and how fees are structured you know i don't want to rehash all of that right now but um, IRAs are a great way to save money if you don't have access to a 401k. You know, I actually found out recently that I think 40% of Americans don't have access to a 401k. Okay,
1: that um, doesn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: So you know, if you are you know one of those people, which you know one in over one in three, you know, um, I I really just recommend getting an IRA. You can put in up to 5500 a year. And now you don't have the benefit of this being a payroll deduction. So you do have to make yourself a little bit more aware, you know, of of paying that. But you can set up auto pay with almost all of these IRA websites, which means, you know, you get paid on, you know, every other Friday. You can set it up to take out withdrawals every other Friday so that it's just like clockwork and you don't you aren't tempted to spend that money.
1: Right, that's the psychologically, that's the safest thing to do is to just get it on like automatic, not really direct deposit, but the opposite of direct deposit, direct withdrawal, I guess, into the into that account.
0: So you know, I would say for four hundred and one KS and IRAs, obviously, if you have a four hundred and one K, start with getting the company match, then you know, switch over to getting your short term savings fixed up. But I would really you know aim people to get close to that ten to fifteen percent mark for their long-term savings goal target. And, you know, there was actually an article released recently that said you should have two times your money saved up by 35, age 35. And it broke the internet because people were like, I can't do that. It's impossible. And they're saying because people feel like it's impossible to save money for retirement, that they're not even trying. So when I say that 10 to 15%, don't beat yourself up if you aren't even close to that, do what you can. I mean, if you can do 1%, do 1%. It is still better than nothing. And it will still make a difference. You know, I think people are always concerned, like, well, it won't make a difference. You know, 1% is nothing. But especially if you're, you know, most of our listeners, our demographic is really mostly people in their 20s and 30s. So for most of the people listening to this podcast right now, over you know the next 30 years that you're saving for retirement even if you can only save one percent that will make a difference and it will really help you at some point in life
1: right because as we've talked about many times all that money you know the power of compound interest in those accounts is ridiculous and it will turn into so much more money Mm -hmm. uh, the earlier you start putting in those bigger numbers
0: and like i said you know you start with one percent and as you get raises and as life changes you can increase that so someday you will be able to get closer to that 10% even if it feels impossible now
1: right but if you can strive for it right putting in 10% now for one year is almost better than 1% for the next 10 years right because you get so much that money is going to be in the account for you know an extra 10 years just getting more interest and you know that just adds on for if you're working 30 more years that that just snowballs
0: right definitely I mean the more you can do the better but you know, I really just don't want anyone to feel discouraged, like it's impossible for them to retire. It's not like we're all in this, you know, we're all going to get there. And 401ks are, you know, as Brett mentioned, in their infancy, a lot of people in retirement now have pensions of some form that they can tap into. And really, you know, this younger generation is a generation that most of us will not have pensions. So it's a little different. It's a little scary. But like, we'll figure it out. We'll get there, you know, just start saving now as much as you can. And you know like if you can get to that 10% right off the bat or that 15% great but if you're at 2% like don't beat yourself up and every year you know tighten those braces is always the analogy i use right i
1: and mean the, yeah the more you can the you're just trying to be better off than you know everybody else right so if you know 40% of people aren't aren't really saving this stuff then you just got to be ahead of those guys yep. and you'll and you'll be okay at the end of the day right
0: yep so okay, I feel like we covered long-term savings pretty well.
1: So is there? So let me let me clarify one thing. If uh, if I'm putting you said fifteen percent right somewhere across the board into into my long-term savings, if I'm putting fifteen percent into my four hundred one k through my employer, is that good enough, or should I be using both a four hundred one k and an IRA?
0: Um. So if you're putting fifteen percent into your employer four hundred one k, and you want to retire at a traditional age like sixty-five, that is that is very likely good enough. Um. They say, you know, 10 to 12% is the sweet spot. So if you're at 15, you're good. You're likely, if you have a 401k, getting an employer match. If you're not and you're doing an IRA, 15% is good. Um, If you're getting an employer match, you're like knocking it out of the park, you know, because then Mm -hmm. you're probably at like 20%. Um, That's enough. And you don't have to do an IRA. Typically, the reason people will do IRAs is to... So let me back up. You know, let's say that you have a 401k and you're... You get the employer match, and you you could put an extra 5% in to your 401k. Mm -hmm. But then you start looking at your funds, and you realize that they have really high fees. Some people opt to cap their 401k at the employer match amount. Let's say it's 5% in this scenario. And then take that other 5% they have and put it in an IRA. Because then they have more choice about the funds that they have. So like Vanguard has very low funds. Fees. Or fees, yeah. These, sorry. Um, <laughs> Vanguard has very low fees is just one example. Um, but then they have more, it, it's more investor freedom at that point. So they might put 5% in their 401k, 5% in the IRA. At the end of the day, it's very similar things. You can just kind of choose different products, um, which maybe that's getting a little yeah, that's, technical. That's some, for this that's some next
1: level um, um, investment so, strategies. So a basic
0: so. answer to your question is, if you are putting 15% away for your long term money, and you are in your 20s and 30s that is good enough
1: awesome all right so so my friends that are just graduating from college now or if i knew anybody from graduating from college now <laughs> um they they should you know plan now when they start with their employer they should put in 15 percent plus match into 401k and Call it a day, right? They'd do be
0: done forever if they do, can do that. Yep,
1: they don't need to worry about anything else. They don't need to micromanage all the stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe look at the funds as we've talked about before throughout the year or every year, right, to make sure that the funds are where you want them inside of that 401k, but making sure that that money is going straight into that account and, you know, never hits your, your bank account so you can spend it frivolously,
0: right? Right. Cool. All right. All right. So now moving on, if we didn't completely confuse you with all of that tangential stuff, um, short term money. So I'm going to jump over medium and go to short term for now. Um, So let's say that you just started working, though, and you have a 100 bucks saved up, like I said in the beginning, but you don't have anything else. You might not want to do 15% in your 401k right away because you probably just want to get the employer match and then save up up an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Because having that emergency fund, which is what I'm considering short term money, or You know, another example of this, another example of short-term money, people always think just emergency funds. Um, But have you you ever heard of sinking funds, Brett? Uh, No. So the idea behind it, well, it's actually good. (laughs) Um, The idea behind it is, you know, we pay our car insurance annually, right? Mm -hmm. But that can be hard for a lot of people to absorb that bill once a year when it's like $1,000. So instead, people will put $100 a month in their sinking fund account to be able to pay these annual expenses when they crop up.
1: Okay. So that's another
0: example of short-term money. Because it's not just, you know, it's not always just auto insurance. Sometimes it's car insurance. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, a medical bill here and there, like annual checkups, if you have to pay for those.
1: Could be taxes also, if you depending on how you claim things. Exactly.
0: So... Um, short-term money, I kind of think of as two things. And we actually have two savings accounts. One is our emergency fund, where we have decided we need X number of dollars, and it just sits in that account forever, right? Yep. And then the other one is kind of our sinking fund, where it's our secondary savings, but that's where we'll pull money out for vacations or, or our, you know, auto insurance and stuff like that. So I always tell people, you know, I kind of have two short-term accounts and, I, I, I keep them as separate bank accounts because that's easier for me to like, keep track of, you know, on paper, I guess.
1: Right. And if you, your, your bank that you use should allow you to have multiple checking accounts or, or in that case, it should be savings accounts, right? Because yep. you're not going to be pulling that money in and out that frequently. So get, you know, the slightly higher interest rate on it, I suppose. You know, get <laughs> Ally.
0: So I, I have to laugh. I've had two listeners reach out to me and tell me that they opened Ally Savings Account since listening to the podcast because we talk about Ally all the time. Um, it's up to 1.6% interest, by the way, which is yeah, great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think at some point, Ally needs to, like, partner with us.
1: I mean, <laughs> That'd be nice. Come but... on,
0: right? Like, no, but all jokes aside, you know, we're not sponsored by anybody. We just, we've, we've used Ally, gosh, for six years now, seven mm-hmm. years, and they they let you open savings account right online so when i did it was like yep i need another savings account for my sinking fund very easy to open it and you get 1.6 percent interest which is just pretty nice Mm -hmm. um
1: whereas on the other hand my credit union just installed a feature that just like spams my mailbox every day so yeah uh, that's the difference in quality
0: yeah so so yeah that's kind of how i recommend to break it down um and so an emergency fund I recommend three to six months of your fixed expenses be saved up in that. And then a sinking fund, you know, I try to do, I kind of try to map out my year. That's and very see. situational, right? It yeah. is very situational. So
1: what What are you saving for? What, what are those expenses going to be? You have to really know what those numbers yep. are and be intentionally doing that. Yes. Yep.
0: but But for that, you know, for a sinking fund, I try to project out 12 months. And have enough to cover my 12 months of, you know, known expenses, but not yet incurred, where an emergency fund is unknown and unincurred, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sinking funds are nice because they're usually lower in amount than an emergency fund. But it it just helps you make sure that when your bills come up on an an annual basis, you can pay them, which is peace of mind, right? Yep. Okay. So we got our short term. We got our long term. Now, what about this medium term?
1: That's my favorite because that's what people should probably be using for the majority of their life, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, but you have to really plan for it, right? Because so, if I told you, hey Brett, I want to go buy a Tesla next month, would that be realistic?
1: No, well, you shouldn't put. You shouldn't be trying to get it out of your medium term money if you're going to be doing that. But.
0: Well, no, but I'm saying. <laughs> and no, my, my example for in many that situation, reasons. For
1: many reasons, it's no. Okay, yeah.
0: yes, but my my example in that situation is let's say my goal was to buy a Tesla. That should be a medium term goal. It should not be a short term money goal. It should be, you know, anywhere from two years to ten years away.
1: Right. Oppose. Yeah. So if you're in a midlife crisis and you want to go buy that Cadillac or now Tesla, um, you know, next week uh, because you feel like it. Uh, you should you should plan that out, right? Right. You should you should have planned it out. And if you don't, then yeah. something was wrong there.
0: So yeah, medium term money is kind of for all of those things. It's the things that are coming up a little bit more down the road, but perhaps far enough away that you could put this money in investments. Um, you know, I actually started my very first medium term money when I was 19 years old or well, 18 years old, working two jobs one summer. I wanted to put money away to be able to buy a car or a house after I graduated from college. Um, and I knew that that was, you know, four or five years away. So I put it in a mutual fund. And and um, I think that's, that, that's kind of a really good example of something, right? Like if you're saving up for a down payment, that should be a medium term goal. Now, depending on your risk tolerance, you might leave it parked in a savings account, or you might be okay putting it in some type of mutual fund there's you know when i say mutual fund guess there's some that are 100 percent stocks but there are also some that are 100 percent bonds right mm-hmm. which are very safe investments so um you know just because i'm saying a mutual fund doesn't mean it's risky and you can depending on your risk tolerance find the right one for you
1: All right it's a full spectrum of the of the whole market and and you should be kind of balancing it out anyway, depending on where your age is and all that stuff. And I think we've talked about that in the past, a little bit of uh, understanding how to how to invest in mutual funds, right?
0: Right. Um, but yeah, so really, you know, medium term, like Brett said, is kind of where the rest of your money should be focused because this could even be 20 years out. Maybe we talk about it and we decide, you know, someday we want to be able to buy a lake house and we could put money away for that.
1: Right. And I, what is is the rule? The rule that I've heard of is you shouldn't put any money that you are probably going to use within five years because otherwise you'll end up taking a loss on it, right? Three
0: to five years yeah. is the general guideline.
1: Right. So if you put it in and try and take it out and under that, you're going to end up with less money than you started with. Yeah, typically, right? Um, but if you're leaving it in there for longer than that, then you're going to be way ahead.
0: And that's a good point because let's say you start putting money in You know, I put. We'll just use my example. I started putting money in when I was 18. I wanted to be able to take it out when I was, you know, 22 to buy a house. Um, So I had four years, right, which is in the three to five year range. Well, let's say by the time, you know, two years down the road, I'm like, okay, I have enough. I'm just going to leave it in there because I'm not ready to use it yet. But I have this other goal of in 10 years, I want to, you know do something else right Mm -hmm. Um, and then you start saving more money you can keep it in the same account and then when the time comes you can just take what you need Um, and you know actually I don't want to spoil this too much because we're going to talk much more about the distribution phase next episode of of our two parter Um, but so I actually want to kind of go back to the basics now and talk about let's say you know let's say we always tell you that you should be saving 20% of what you make and then we just told you that you should be putting 15% of that in your 401k. So, where how do you even <laughs> say for short-term and medium-term stuff, right? Well, the answer to that really is it's kind of on your goals. So, you know, maybe you decide like I don't care if I can retire at 60. I'm fine with retiring at 65. So, I only need to put 10% in my long-term bucket and You know, then after a couple of years, your short-term buckets are full. Well, then you can throw that other 10% at medium-term goals, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other cool thing is, you know, you can always decide because of opportunity costs, okay, maybe I can cut back on this other area in life so that I can save up towards this more important goal. You know, I think an example, especially for a lot of people in the Midwest is to own property someday, like a lake house or, you know, property up north. And so maybe you decide, like, I will sacrifice, you know, going out to eat or I will sacrifice getting my Starbucks in the morning so that I can roll that $20 a week into this bucket. And in in 10 years, you know, that will add up.
1: Right, That's my favorite topic of opportunity cost. Right, if I don't have that coffee, then in ten years I can have a, a lake house. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well,
0: that, that's always been your favorite analogy, right? You said you didn't. You took all your lunch money in high school and you bought a car.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: So, um, all right. Well, I think we covered most of everything. Is there anything else?
1: Uh, so I just wanted to recap real quick, because so, we're we're kind of going over it. So what's the order of operations again? So it's. Um, you said it was the put, do the company match in your yes. 401k. If you, if the company offers a, a company match, do that first. Make sure you're putting in the minimum amount that requires to get all the, the money out for free that you can. Secondary, you want to fill up your emergency fund mm-hmm. and, and, or your sunk account,
0: sinking fund, sinking
1: fund, <laughs> um, depending on if, if you're, if you're going to be using that. And then, so once your emergency funds filled up, and we've talked about how, how, full you should make that depending on your lifestyle. roughly forward.
0: three to six months of expenses yep. just to recap
1: and then um after that's filled up then you can turn that money over into um either more investment in your your 401k or starting invest in the mutual funds correct but you want to get to at least somewhere in the ballpark of like 10 percent um, of your own contribution to your four hundred and one k or
0: IRA, just or in IRA. case those listeners yep, out there, the forty percent of you that don't have four hundred and one ks you can sub IRA for every time he says four hundred and one k.
1: Yep, and then um and then anything over that ten percent, somewhere between ten and fifteen percent, you want to put into uh, some type of mutual fund for your midterm. Yep. Are there any other midterm options outside of like mutual funds or? I mean, you can invest in like straight up individual stocks, yeah. but that's super risky. Um, you yeah.
0: know, mutual funds are my investment of choice. And just to keep it easy, that's pretty much the right answer. Um, if you are really risk averse, I mean, there's still mutual funds out there for you because you can do bond funds, which are super duper safe. Um, but if you, for some reason, are against that, I mean, then I would probably just default to like an ally savings account or a CD. But I mean those cds aren't any safer than bond mutual funds Mm -hmm. and they lock your money up right which is a disadvantage so
1: okay and then you know once you've kind of got where all those buckets where you are if you have money to burn at the end of the day then you can start getting into like backing kickstarters and uh, investing in Bitcoin and all the other things that are super high risky and may not yeah. return anything, or
0: you can decide that you want to retire early,
1: that's true, and yep.
0: just put more in your midterm bucket,
1: be one of the you know, retire in your 30s and uh, you know, live off of the interest for the rest of your life. That's a, yeah. it's a strategy we're shooting and for. And you know,
0: the, the other thing I want to mention about midterm money is I think a lot of people might blow it off and think, okay, I'm gonna. Sure, I'll listen to Angie and I'll do my ten percent in my four hundred and one k and I'll get my emergency fund. But then, like, then I'm just gonna start blowing my money because I don't need midterm money. But I just wanna re, I just wanna tell you like, it can save you so much trouble in life by having this extra kind of backup money. It really just gives you a sense of security. And we've kind of talked about fu money before, but it gives you like this bucket to fall back on of like. You know, especially since I know most of our listeners are 20s and 30s, if you're thinking about even having a family someday, I mean, it just gives you the option to be able to stay at home for the first few years if you want to. It doesn't mean you have to. Um, Or, you know, like, I, I know a lot of people have to help take care of their aging parents someday. It gives you options for that, to be able to have more schedule flexibility and more time. And I think really in life, like, you know, everyone is always like, well, money is, finite. Well, time is even more finite, right? So if you can use some of your money to buy freedom, like that's even cooler, right? Right. Um
1: turn money into time. Not everybody can say that they can do that. Right.
0: right. So I think, you know, even though you might not think you need midterm money and you might be tempted to not worry about saving it, I really urge you to do it and then once you have it, decide, do I want this or not? And if you if you save up $50,000 and then you're like, no, this is stupid. I'm never going to need this midterm money. She's wrong. Go buy your Tesla and thank me later. You know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it, right?
1: Yep. That's it. And so again, stay tuned for part two next week. um, When we talk about, uh, how to get this money out and when when is the right time to withdraw it and all those. Right,
0: because someday your long-term money turns into your short-term money, right?
1: Right, getting the long-term money out. When is it the right time to pull out the, the you know, withdraw some of the money from the mutual funds to buy, you know, big purchases that are, are worth getting, stuff like that. So
0: What a cliffhanger. Oh, boy. Tune in <laughs> next week. It's going to be wild. And don't forget to enter our contest for and you could win 50 bucks.
1: Yep. So. All
0: right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, Money moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.